0: is part of the pod syndicate Valley. for more criminally compelling shows articles and conversations head to wearepodsyndicate.com spoilers detective proceed with caution listen at your own risk
1: mission to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind.
0: This world is divided. No protectors here, no lanterns, no Kryptonium. It will fall in his name. All of existence shall be
2: mine. I don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells. He's never fought us united.
3: Hello everyone, it is I, the Jstrom. I know it's been a while since you've heard my voice, but I am here to record a special show with Adam Sexton. We are going to talk about the Snyder Cut. Yes, that's right, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. Something long rumored to have existed, talked about in hushed whispers, something we didn't know was real. Some people believed it was real. I didn't. I thought it was just a myth. Much like dry land in the movie Waterworld. But it is real. And it's here. And it's on HBO Max. Hello, hello. Hello. Is this Adam Sexton?
2: This is Adam Sexton. Is this the j This
3: is the j We're here to talk about a cut that shouldn't exist. I thought it was just a myth, Adam. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I thought it was a so did of, many other people.
3: I thought it was just a fanboy's dream.
2: A film like this just has so much baggage on it that there's never just one thing that's attached to it. It's 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 many many different things. It's either the franchise that it's a part of or it's the version of the movie that we received what was it back in 2018? I think was 2017? when it was released in theaters.
3: I think it was 2017, wasn't it?
2: 2017 or 2018. Either way. Oh, you don't believe me. Uh we got one version and then there were reports. <laughs> uh, it, it, I mean the the whole story, the whole story on this 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 movie is just uh, like I said, it's got a whole lot of baggage and then over the years Fan support has come out, and Zack Snyder, whenever he he's often talked about a version of his film that was never finished.
0: I'm excited for fans to get to see this giant four hour movie that's completely singular to their investment. If you followed the first two movies this movie really kind of takes you into a completely immersive scope and scale the fan community has sort of risen up demanding this version well because of the promise i've made them over the course of the two other movies it has created this movement that said we need to know how it ends
2: i can remember us talking all about this uh, on the podcast if you had told us that this was going to happen, none of us would have believed it.
3: Yeah, I didn't believe it. I just knew it was something that was always a hashtag repeatedly on Twitter.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah, and unfortunately, the the really terrible section of fandom has, uh, has uh, brought this movie a kind of a tarnished reputation that I don't think it should yeah. have. But, I mean, it's there, and it's going to color some people's opinion of it. But yeah, uh, I, I really never thought that we would see this thing. I thought at the very most maybe we would get a comic book adaptation of what he wanted to do with not only this film but the other two Justice League movies that were going to come around. This is like a three-film arc. and We've only seen the first one. We may only see the first one because I don't know what Zack Snyder's relationship with Warner Brothers is at this point. Right. But uh, – I, or maybe maybe the the script that he and Chris Terrio wrote would have come out, and we would have seen what he wanted to see. But we never thought that he could somehow convince Warner Brothers to spend more money on finishing a cut that they rejected in the first place. But it but it happened, and he somehow convinced them to give him even more money to shoot more footage and finish it. And if you had told me. That the end result would be as compelling as it is. I probably wouldn't believe you. A lot of people were gearing for this to be more of the same, more of the things that they couldn't stand about either the previous movie, which is Batman v. Superman, or maybe even uh, Man of Steel as well. And for a lot of people, I mean, you can go on the Internet right now and read reviews or reactions. And it's really made a more positive uh, dent in in how people view it than you would think.
3: Well, another thing is this exists because HBO Max, and they need content for their new streaming service. And this was like, why don't we give them this? That's what they're asking for. And we've got this new service. We need to give people reasons to subscribe. And so it really just came at the right time, didn't it?
2: It did, and unfortunately, I hate to say this, but the pandemic may have played a part in this, too.
3: Yeah, 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 because they had a lot of the footage sitting around. That's another thing that I'm kind of shocked by, because we didn't know the extent of what was Zack Snyder's footage and what was Joss Whedon's footage, and it's so interesting to watch it now and go, oh, that was Joss Whedon's footage, you know what I mean? And-
2: yes, we I mean not until that Vanity Fair article came out, what was it like back in January or or December, maybe it was January where some people could say they could watch the movie that Joss Whedon took over with and could tell what writing was his and what looked like his. We didn't realize that and instead of like bringing it to the finish line, Whedon rewrote and reshot of it. So r- roughly an estimated 20% of what Snyder actually did ended up in that theatrical cut.
3: Do you remember me telling you there's one moment in the film that made me uncomfortable and I just knew that was Joss Whedon? Do you remember what that was? That I said... Now, not
2: off the top of my head, no.
3: I said the scene where the Flash falls on Wonder Woman kind of in like in a, <laughs> a weird kind of... It's supposed to be a sexually awkward way like he just fell mm-hmm. on her like that. And I was like... Now that I know Joss Whedon is a creep, that was his scene there, wasn't it? And now when you watch the Snyder Cut and that's not in the movie, you're like, I knew it! (laughs) Joss Whedon was like, this will be funny. Let's put Wonder Woman in her place.
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there really, there is no, it's so out of place too, because there's no kind of tension set up between the flash and wonder woman at all. It's yeah. just this weird out of place moment. And I guess it could get a chuckle, I guess, out of an audience member or something. But I mean, it's really just not necessary. I, yeah. And, like and, hey, and that, this nerdy
3: guy and, falls and, on a beautiful woman. So entertaining.
2: And it's kind of part of the problem of what we can now recognize in that theatrical cut, That's there's just an emphasis on gags that are thrown at a wall, whether they stick or not. And yeah. it just feels so dishonest. And I remember sending you guys a voicemail about what I thought about it. And I, I kind of liked it at the time, or maybe I was just relieved that we got – a sequel that followed through Batman v Superman because we were because I was in need of closure to this story. I knew it wasn't done. I guess I was happy. It had some. It had some moments with it, but I couldn't shake the feeling that something was really amiss. Something was missing, and I, it, to my memory, you were at the point either just didn't care or was interested in something else. So uh so remember, yeah you trying to try to watch it right now and it just hurts to sit through.
3: My I remember my first reaction to the film was that damn that third act was a hot mess. <laughs> that it looked like them just on a sound stage like I can picture them all standing in just a giant green stage and just things happening around them. It felt like a damn mess, you know? Yeah. And I just kind of just shook my head about it. Like, I I don't know what to think about this movie. Like, I, do I ever want to see it again? I don't know. And I, I think I have only seen the whole film that one time in the theater. And I've seen maybe bits of it when it was on, you know, HBO or whatever, but yeah. I never sought to watch it again. And uh, what's so funny, thank God that goofy mustached Superman (laughs) is gone forever, you know, because God, that was weird. I did want to say this. Danny Elfman's score is no longer in the film because they needed an entirely new score, right? Because the movie's much longer and there's new scenes. And they got uh, Tom Holkenborg, who's also known as Junkie XL. Uh, I've made fun of his name before, like uh, just kind of like, "Hey, everybody wants to be a film composer; they dream of this." And you, they're like, "Okay, what would your credit be?" And they're like, "I'm Junkie XL." Uh, apparently, he's matured a bit, and now he's Tom Holkenborg on his <laughs> on his credits. But uh, I thought his score was uh, really, really good, and I did not yeah. miss the Danny Elfman score at all. No, also. Th- do you remember in the uh, Danny Elfman version when they showed Batman there at the end? They played the Batman theme, of yes. like the Keaton Tim Burton Batman, and that was obviously hey let's throw a bone to the fans. You know, it felt tacked on and it felt like it didn't fit to me because right. it's not there, the same a- Batman.
2: The whole movie now feels soulless, and it's it's an attempt to try to please everyone, and it just pleases no one.
3: Why did Warner Brothers lose so much faith in Zack Snyder? Because
2: Batman v. Superman did not gross $1 billion like they thought it would, and that was also mostly due to a negative reaction to the movie. I mean, the movie clearly has its fans, and I'm one of them, but I completely understand why – some people just uh just couldn't get past it how the movie depicts Batman and Superman is still a sticky sticky uh argument point with a lot of people i mean they have they have strong feelings about how these characters should be represented in film and to right. have a movie where It makes them feel like they don't care about the lives of uh, of human beings or that they're dour. I mean, I've got this whole relationship about Batman v. Superman that I've thought about uh, since the last time that – uh, I was able to get on an episode with you and Steven, and we gave our reaction. We had a Batman v, v Superman that. reaction episode. At that point, I had only seen the movie once, and I liked it, but I couldn't help but feel that there was a lack of uh, coherency, uh, especially in the plot details. I mean, you, but uh, but I was also kind of just kind of wrestling with what the movie was trying to say at that point, and I guess I needed some time. And it's, and it's one of those movies like, say, the, like the Matrix sequels that in order for me to actually get to like them, I would need to revisit it. I would need to read or interact with others on the Internet to, to see what they thought of it. And only through those two things did it, was I able to figure out where I felt with the movie. And then the three-hour cut came out. And you've got a story that makes a whole lot more sense, but it also just seems to take its time. But basically, I've got this this whole theory about why Batman v. Superman turned out the way it did and why people reacted the way they did it, and it's kind of easy to forget that most movies – uh, can be tied to the time period to which they were released. And I've got this whole spiel that I've kind of rehearsed in my mind. So if you want to hear it, I, I can tell you to you right now.
3: Go for you it. You ready? Yeah.
2: Okay. So Batman v Superman gets released, what, four or five months into 2016? It's a general election year. And Donald Trump is one of the presidential candidates. You've got a billionaire who is clearly xenophobic, clearly doesn't like immigrants, and he shows signs that he is paranoid, insecure, and impotent in more ways than one. What is the story of Batman v Superman but the story of two billionaires who conspire independently of each other to kill an immigrant because the immigrant makes them feel insecure, paranoid, and and impotent. One billionaire course-corrects, but doesn't do it uh, enough to in order to save the life of the immigrant. The other billionaire goes to prison for his crimes, but goes knowing that he won. He got to kill the immigrant. The immigrant dies defending the only home that he's ever known, and the people don't realize that they've lost their protector until he's six feet into the ground. That does not make for feel-good entertainment, <laughs> yes. but... But as drama, I, like many others, found it to be absolutely delicious. Here's the thing that movie that I just described was not the movie that they were selling. Right. Not since the Angley version of Hulk have I ever seen a movie marketed as one thing and then ultimately revealed to be another. Do you remember seeing the Hulk movie in the theater? Yes. <laughs> I remember sitting it on sitting there in a the screen room on opening week and there was a kid uh, and his dad like a couple of rows ahead of me. 20 minutes into the movie the kid wanted to leave because what the movie ultimately ended up being, I mean you had your you had your Hulk moments, Hulk smashing action movies, you got mutated dogs for some weird reason, but what the movie really is is this psychological drama about a broken relationship between a father and a son. And that wasn't what anybody was expecting, and quite frankly, wasn't what anybody was wanting. Now, the, <laughs> the movie did what it did. And, some, I mean, there are kind of defenders of the movie, people who actually like it, flaws and whatnot. But the same thing has happened to Batman v Superman, but because it's got these these three main characters, and it has its own particular interpretation about it, I think that kind of hurt its performance in a particular way. You've got a a two-and-a-half-hour movie that gets into the headspace of Batman, who, who at that point of the story sees Superman only as a liability. He doesn't see him as an ally, and he has to go through this whole journey where eventually he makes a course correction, but you can't stop the uh, the threat without you know a price The the cost is just way too high and despite the fact that the movie ends on basically not necessarily a cliffhanger but it has some loose ends like from here on out this is how the justice league gets formed up and and that's a long way of explaining that there was a particular story thread that zack snyder was attempting with you know not only through man of steel but batman v superman he wanted to give us you know the cause and effects uh, of what, what happened at the end of Man of Steel. Right. And he does so, but does so in a way that some people think is oppressive. And yeah. with Justice League, they just thought it was going to be more of the same. Snyder was just going to double down. And that's why I think the studio kind of decided to have second doubts. And Snyder – previous to this point had a good working relationship with warner brothers his movies like 300 or watchmen made so much money uh, for that studio especially in the home video market and apparently ownership or like the management at that studio has probably changed to the point where he no longer has that clout and man of steel made money but not a whole lot of money and then Batman v Superman fell short, uh, I think like $100 million short, of just breaking even. But they really wanted that Marvel money, and Marvel Studios was just kind of knocking it out of the park commercially, movie after movie. So Justice League, the, some people just really thought that this movie would just not really turn out, turn out very well. And uh, when it got released, I guess the studio got what they wanted, but... I mean, in terms of a movie that they felt would uh, better, more positively represent them. But, uh, I mean...
3: Well, we know when we watch the theatrical cut of the Justice League that this thing has been cut to hell. We can tell that it's been cut to hell. Because when I was watching the Snyder Cut, you saw how much of the budget is up there on screen. I mean, they filmed... These elaborate scenes with uh, flashbacks in Cyborg's life. He's there at a football game. The stands are filled with people. It looks gorgeous, cinematography. You know that they spent a lot of money on this. And the fact that that's not even in the theatrical cut, like how much money they threw away there. Uh, Warner Brothers just couldn't get out of their own way trying to Mm -hmm. fix this. When they should have just like, hey, we put all of our stock in Zack Snyder... Let's just continue that way, because choosing to screw it all up and uh, messing it all up didn't help anything.
2: They wanted a two-hour movie. They wanted a movie that you could screen as many times in a multiplex in a given day. And if you did that, then... Yeah. You could sell more tickets that way, but that, that gamble just never really works. I mean, it's not the first time that a studio has cut a movie down just so he could have a short running time in order it right. to sell more tickets that, that, that just never works. I don't know why they keep doing that.
3: That's another thing is when I, okay, I will say this, I watched the Snyder cut and I liked it much more than the theatrical cut. I thought it was, it was a better movie, but it is long, you know? Duh, everyone knows it's four hours. But here's the point I'm trying to make. How much of that movie would have really been four hours if Zack Snyder was given final cut and it's going in theaters? It wouldn't have been four hours. He would have cut some stuff, right?
2: Yes. I I, I mean, he initially had like a rough cut of like three hours and some change, if not three and a half hours. And I think he would have brought it to a manageable manageable three. And right. uh, considering that we got two Avengers movies, one was two and a half Endgame game was three hours, I think uh, three hours of this could have been could have been imaginable. I think he would have told a very satisfying tale. He, he would could have just been put been out the coherent. extended version on home video or something
3: yeah he the whole epilogue at the end he could have cut that out we wouldn't have missed anything, and we could have seen it as a bonus on video release and been like, Oh, okay, or something yeah. like that I mean we can was- just
2: see it's it's like the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings movie I mean you yeah. can you can give the fans their extra stuff
3: i do think that cyborg you know he got screwed the most in the theatrical gut because his story is back in the movie and you see how great it is
2: well it's arguably his movie too yeah it, especially in the ways that it his story parallels with not only superman but everyone else i mean this is a story of people who suffer tragedies but also feel like they're outsiders and they're tethered to this world that basically doesn't want them or they feel that they wouldn't want them and that that's one that's the big that's the big thing uh thematically that makes it more appealing than you know batman v Superman was i have read some reviews from critics who hated that last movie but loved this and it's specifically because of that theme of empathy
3: yeah, I thought it was great. I ate up all the cyborg stuff and his relationship with his father, the whole thing mm-hmm. with the cassette, and he can repair it at the end and listen to it when he was too angry before and he destroyed it. Uh, his dad is Miles Dyson. Uh, <laughs> Joe Morton. Is She's such gonna a great blow actor. him away. <laughs> uh, his bit in there is so good, and they gave him. It's funny because I said to you, "Is like I." genuinely was moved by his death. I wasn't moved at all by his death in the theatrical cut. And you said
2: he didn't die in Whedon's cut. (laughs) Like, no, he lives. And the last time you see cyborg, he and his dad are at stars labs. I think kind of working on his suit. It's like the, the whole their whole relationship just, just basically gets gutted. I yeah. mean, you you kind of see the beginning of it where uh, Victor's in the apartment, and you just see you just sense he never goes out, and he has to live with his dad, but he's got nothing but resentment for him. And in the Snyder cut, it's a further fleshed out relationship, especially when Cyborg starts working with the Justice League, and there's this great little moment where they got Superman's corpse and the the third mother box and they're breaking into stars labs and Silas sees them come in and doesn't alert anyone. Yeah, There's I this great one. little moment where he where Silas is looking at Victor almost like he's expecting some sort of recognition or uh or some kind of approval, and Cyborg stops just short of giving it to him. And it's it's one of these great character beats that's in the movie for a lot of these characters.
3: Yeah, that scene was great, and the whole resurrecting Superman bit in the theatrical cut is really goofy. And in here, <laughs> they explain it so much better, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why is it that Wonder Woman would be against it, in the Weedon's cut and not against it in this one.
3: Yeah. It it makes more sense that the fact that the ship is warning, like, don't do this. This is danger. And he's like, maybe maybe we shouldn't do this. This super intelligent computers telling us this is bad And Batman's like, no, we're doing it. And it's just like, it's warning us again. And it's just like, maybe we shouldn't do this. He's like, no, we're doing it. That made more sense (laughs) than just like, I don't. I don't remember the theatrical cut. What is Wonder Woman saying in that scene?
2: In the Whedon's cut, resurrecting Superman via the Mother Box is mostly Batman's idea because it's almost making the argument that he's trying to absolve himself of some guilt of what he did in the previous movie right. by resurrecting Superman. But the idea comes from mostly everyone. Everyone's, like Flash says, everyone's thanking it.
3: It was and, so great uh, that Cyborg had a little holographic image of Superman there.
2: Right, right. And I, I guess th- this was Whedon's half-assed idea of trying to create conflict by having Wonder Woman and Bruce clash over this idea. and And also to give her some kind of a story where Batman accuses her of uh, look, you've got all these gifts, but, and you've lived for all this time, and this is the first time I've even heard of you. I mean, what is your what is your problem? And it's just such a half-assed kind of uh, conflict to put between these two characters. Yeah. And watching it play out in Snyder scenario, you realize this – this isn't necessary. It, it's a it's a risk. They know it's a risk, but they're but it makes sense to take it. Speaking of that whole moment where uh, Flash is gearing up to make his run, so he can generate enough energy to ignite the mother box and revive Superman, you've got. Aquaman saying, oh, this is a bad idea. You've got the ship's AI going, this is a really bad idea. You've got Batman saying, <laughs> Batman saying, no, we're doing it. Wonder Woman is, I need to watch it again, but she's not exactly protesting or anything. She's just kind of waiting it out. And Flash is already you know, kind of committed. It, it, you've got this great buildup of tension through all these different viewpoints. And then the whole scene goes together. Uh, it, it it's just so better constructed and better executed yeah, really in the Snyder and, Cut,
3: and you know why Batman wants to go through with it because he knows they're totally screwed without Superman. Yeah, like there's yeah, no this this, not this isn't
2: it's not about necessarily absolving his guilt. He's not he's not running away from it.
3: It was so funny when the movie begins with the sound waves of Superman's cry death cry. Yeah. Just going row, row, You know, like all throughout the world. And I was just like, what, what is going on? But then you realize the boxes now know that the protector of earth is dead. That's yeah. what that whole point was. When they talk about the fact that uh, the reason the boxes came to life is because Superman died. That's when they know that it says right there that no one's afraid of them, no matter how powerful they are. It was Superman who would have protected them.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and that's why uh, they need to bring him back no matter what which I thought was great what did you think of the Martian Manhunter reveal because uh, I okay there's a part where you know we get to visit Lois and she's uh, mourning the death of uh, Superman and Clark's mom comes to visit her and tells her she needs to move on and all that. Then it reveals it's not even her. It's the Martian Manhunter. And I wrote you immediately. I was like, Martian Manhunter? Like (laughs) what? And are they trying to say that actor who was in Man of Steel, by the way, was he Martian Manhunter this whole time?
2: If I remember correctly, uh, in Batman V Superman, there was a deleted scene where, uh, the Harry Lennox character meets with Lois Lane. Uh she's trying to and in the in the even in the three hour cut this was cut. But she meets with him to get information about crime scene evidence that it was either in the uh the desert sequence at the beginning of batman v superman right. or it was like a piece of kryptonite or something she was trying to figure out if there was any connection between lex Luthor and all this and after she and harry Linx's characters meet and they depart ways he turns like around a corner and then reveals himself to be martian manhunter so i i guess snyder decided maybe we should re- revealed this guy in the next movie since we've got the the league coming together
3: he always had it in mind it wasn't tacked on basically
2: yes now i can't say for sure whether or not snyder had that planned for lennox's character in man of steel i just i've only known about the batman v superman connection
3: i do like that scene with uh, bruce wayne at the end where he's just like uh okay (laughs) you know he doesn't like have a reaction like, whoa, an alien. He's just like, all right, okay. Well, it's good to yeah, have somebody else on board. After,
2: after everything he's seen, <laughs> he's probably cool with it now.
3: Yeah, he's just like, whoa, a Martian? Are you kidding me? He's just like, well, that sounds about right.
2: He's like, look, okay. man, I just had another vision where it's I'm in the apocalypse and I'm with uh, – Hera and Deathstroke and Joker for some weird reason. Oh, Superman's and about Mira. to wipe us all out. Ugh.
3: Yeah, that's another thing is uh, when the movie did finally end and we got the epilogue, my brain was like, wait, wasn't Jared Leto supposed to be in this? Where is he? <laughs> and that's, you know, right when he shows up. Now, I will say this. That scene just gave me kind of a like similar to when Bruce saw Martian Manor. I was kind of like, OK. You know, (laughs) because we never know if that those ideas that Zack Snyder have will ever come to fruition. We don't know if they're going to go that way at all. You know,
2: I would say no. There are supposed to be three Justice League movies. The, The movie that he's teasing up is just the second one. I can't see it happening. So what makes this cut even special is that Snyder is not only able to resurrect the cut that he had in mind, but he's also making his little swan song. Like maybe he's moving moving on from the DC Films universe. Like, say, Drew McWinney. He made his review of the movie, and near the end of it, he says, I'm happy that Zack Snyder got to do this, but I want him to see other things. I want to see Army of the Dead. I want to see him make that Excalibur remake that he's always dreamed about making of. This, this kind of feels like uh, his little parting gift.
3: Yeah, like, this was his goodbye, everyone. This is what I had planned. It's never going to happen, but I'm glad you get to see this.
0: <laughs> In any endeavor... To be supported is an incredible thing, you know, especially supported by this incredible fan base. They've really taken the movie to heart, and so there is something really satisfying and fun for me, bringing these amazing fans a movie that they wanted to see.
2: Yeah, and ends it as satisfying as it ever possibly could be. I mean, he remade this movie in the wake of the passing of his daughter, uh, Uh Autumn, who committed suicide, and that that loss and that feeling of trying to live when you've lo- lost a loved one really also fuels how this movie looks and feels, especially from a story standpoint. And it, it, it's a it's a far more poignant movie than you, you expect it to be.
3: You know, that whole third act is so much better. The fact that the cyborg is so important for what they have to do the mm-hmm. fact that we get to see him inside the mother boxes and how it shows him his his parents. That would never work in Whedon's cut because we wouldn't even know who his mom was because we never got to see her. That stuff is very poignant. But also the fact that uh, we get to see the Flash fail and then fix it.
2: His, yes.
3: In the third act of the Whedon cut, it was so... Apparently, he thought to add, let's add this Russian family who's trapped in their house.
2: <laughs> I hated this.
3: And let's have Flash pushing them in their pickup truck to safety. Like, how is that a better idea?
2: Yeah, well, wh- why did Whedon think, you know what would make this third act better? What if he and Superman had this weird kind of rivalry?
3: Yeah. The re- how was
2: that a more wanna- compelling idea than Flash Having to tap into his his special ability in such a way that he has you know he has to reverse the ending of the world, and it's so it, it's a far more satisfying is, moment
3: the effects in that scene are so well done too they convey what's happening so well with the ground returning as he's running. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really well uh established like well imagined that scene. And uh, I think the addition of having Side in the movie, I thought, added some cool gravitas. Yes, I know it's all CGI, but still, it made him look like he's going to be a scary bad guy that they would have to tussle with eventually. And it kind of showed that Steppenwolf is really just the punk ass who... They had <laughs> trouble with this guy. Just imagine what any what uh, it's going to be like dealing with Darkseid, you know?
2: Yeah, especially when it's been established that what the the big weapon that Darkseid wants, which is the Anti-Life Equation, is on Earth, and if he if when he gets a hold of that, that's what allows him to take over the Earth and to make Superman his slave.
3: Yeah, what is the Anti-Life Equation anyway? Okay, so in the
2: comics, and I forget which storyline put this forth, it's basically a formula that if weaponized you can basically uh take over the free will uh, of any sentient being
3: so that's so, how like in the vision superman is being controlled
2: yes yes dark side uh wants to get a hold of the, the anti-life equation weaponize it so he can rule over earth and basically rule over superman and the plan 3 film arc and what happens in the second movie And this could all change, and this is also reportedly what happened, so don't – I mean, take this with a grain of salt. Basically, the nightmare apocalyptic vision that Batman has been having actually comes to pass in that second movie. And basically, Darkseid takes over the Earth – but then leaves it to take over other planets because he's trying to remake he, – he thinks of himself as a god and wants to remake the entire universe in his own image by basically conquering all these planets. And Superman basically becomes this evil dictator of Earth.
3: Right. I, I got to say I don't look forward to Superman always needing to be saved. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like every third act, they finally get him back. He kicks the bad guy's ass and, hey, everything's good again. And that would become tired after a while, don't you think?
2: You would need to to write a story in which you take Superman, which is a really overpowered character, and somehow – Raise the stakes enough that you know he he, he won 't be treated as the the Deus ex machina he won 't be treated as the plot devices that fixes everything and that that was another thing i mean we 've been talking about how the movie treats these characters better in terms of their arcs you 've got a compelling art for not only Aquaman and for Wonder Woman and definitely for cyborg and the Flash and even Batman but Superman basically he gets resurrected pretty much the same way and then he departs to reorient himself in very much the same way where he where he spends time with lois and basically remembers who he is he he just needed that time the the move that the movie is not in a hurry to get him back with the other heroes to me is a feature not a bug and i know that that probably would be a problem for some people, especially you're now in hour three of this thing.
3: Right. I enjoyed those scenes because I Mm enjoy him and Lois and even Martha. I enjoyed that. Diane Lane is great in that role. But at the same time, I was like, dude, Superman, come on, hurry up. Okay.
2: (laughs) Dude. Yeah.
3: The fate of the world is (laughs) waiting on your ass. Come on.
2: Right, right. And, and you basically know that, that how it's going to basically turn out. What but that's a, that's another his... thing. I mean, you kept talking about how the action scenes, especially in the third act, looked a whole lot better. Definitely they would be in Whedon. Whedon just doesn't know how to shoot green screen. I I, I think there's I – mean, and, and Zack Snyder basically has built his career on shooting a lot of green screen. I mean 300 is basically all green screen. Uh, but he But he basically knows how to shoot –
3: Okay, first of all, they make his uh, bat blimp thing. Uh, He hasn't been able to get it work ever. Him and Alfred have it. And Cyborg fixes it because it wants to fly. I thought that bit was cool. Then I I thought that the way that Batman cuts his way into the barrier, takes out the tower, and then it comes down, and then he's going to basically distract them. But he's getting overwhelmed, and he's kind of, you know... He's not gonna be able to hold them off forever and then the rest of the the group comes to help him i liked all that yeah i thought the stuff with aquaman flying through the air worked much better in this it seemed kind of silly before and like by the way i'm so glad there's no come together cover in this version (laughs) 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 yeah We don't need that. Yeah. yeah. I love,
2: I especially love that one moment where it freeze frames and you get all of them in their little poses. Like yes. it would be in a comic book.
3: Yeah, that was good. And what's funny is that kind of reminded me of Whedon and, uh, <laughs> Ultron when he kind of did that freeze frame on them all leaping at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, Zack Snyder doing it. Yeah. Uh, Joss Whedon just yeah, saw it from Zack Snyder anyway. So
2: yeah, it, it, it basically it turns out that Whedon doesn't work very well as a hired hand. He only he only seems to do good work when he actually cares about the work that he's doing.
3: Yeah, because apparently he was a major prick when he came in to like, oh god, what are we doing now? Uh, let me let's cut all this cyborg crap out of here. Yeah, slash. slash um, let's cut this hot dog the- scene out with the flash. Sh- sh- sh-
2: yeah, in addition to all of the grief that Ray Fisher had to deal with, I mean, because ac- according to him, uh, people like Joss Whedon or Jeff Johns were abusive during the making, yeah. during the reshoots. You just kind of wish that things turned out differently uh, for this whole thing, and yeah. Warner Brothers should have supported Snyder and basically just, you know release like a two and a half hour or three hour version and then just cut their losses. If they wanted to bring the franchise to a grinding halt, fine, but their efforts to repair it just, just, uh, just caused more problems.
3: Yeah. Can I just say that Ray Fisher, he, he did a fantastic job in this oh, yeah. movie and I could see why it would probably have been heartbreaking seeing what they did to his performance in the theatrical version. Like it's just gone. Like they yeah. erased it. That would bum me the hell out.
2: The, the, <laughs> I want to point out at least one thing that uh, that, in light of the Aquaman solo movie kind of looks a little ridiculous. One, that uh, Amber Heard speaking with a British accent is kind of nuts.
3: Yeah. I'm not sure
2: h- it comes out. But also the fact that Snyder believed that they should open up these air bubbles in order to talk to each other. Where it's in the solo film, look, they can just speak underwater. Let's
3: just just leave the law. (laughs) Let's let's not bother with that, guys. Come on. We'll we'll do the bubbles for intimate scenes, but uh, we don't really need that. I do love
2: that one moment when Steppenwolf is trying to get the Atlantean uh, mother box, and she's opened up an air bubble. While he's pinned her to the wall. And she uses her ability to siphon water and liquids out of his body and you start to see blood come out. Yeah, that and was pretty cool. That was so gnarly. I loved
3: it. Yeah, he was just that messed him up for a second, like, dude, what the hell are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. That was that was pretty cool. But yeah, you can that's another thing is when I first started this, my brain was confused. I was like, wait, okay, yeah, wait what movie did Superman die in again? Wait, what is this part? And I was like trying to remember like, okay, what happened? And because I was getting it confused with Batman V Superman and the theatrical cut of justice league. So I was like, I, my brain was scrambled for a bit when I was watching this, like, okay, I do remember this. I remember this. Yeah. The Themyscira part. I remember this, but it was different. This didn't happen. Uh, and then I finally was just like, you know what? Let's just watch this, Jason. Just stop. <laughs> stop trying to remember <laughs> stuff. And I realized that I knew when I was watching something new more than when I was watching something that was changed. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know I've never seen this scene before is what I could go by. Yeah!
1: The Super Friends will be back. You know, they didn't just become super overnight. They started it pretty good and had to work up from there. this Pod podcast to bring you a special Syndicate This podcast you're listening to, pretty good, isn't it? Only problem is, it's about halfway through. Pretty soon, it'll be over. And then what are you going to do? Well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to wearepodsyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate: The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, His Film, Her Movie, and What's On Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to WeArePodSyndicate.com and clicking on The Bonus Shows. We now return you to your regularly scheduled Pod Syndicate podcast. Coming from the farthest reaches of the universe to challenge the worst villains on earth are the
0: most powerful heroes ever in the Battle of the Superpowers Collection. Superpowers figures with power action, each sold separately.
1: There's no power built! Please, they've got power action like superman and batman here comes hawkman watch out for brainiac's power action and each comes with a mini comic
0: the superpowers collection superman batman brainiac hawkman and other figures with power action each sold separately new from kenner
1: um, hey hannah you know i think you really can't be a good rewatch of a tv show would you agree with that love oh yes i would marvel's agents of shield I think during, you know, global pandemics, s- storms, all of these things, it's quite nice to just sit down and burn through something that you've seen a million Absolutely times. Absolutely. Nothing like. like a binge watch. Star Trek. Babylon 5. Because you could sit there for hours looking at serial killer documentaries. Absolutely. That uh, doesn't make you a weird person at uh, all. It doesn't, yeah, you could watch documentaries that all seem to be about women killing men. Love you, darling. You could put off watching Daredevil for the 30th time. Harry Potter. But really, you can't be immersing yourself in the warm jumper of a rewatch of a show because or a beloved franchise. A loved franchise. A beloved franchise. Lord of the Rings, Twin Peaks, from VHS compilations recorded off television with the ad breaks. That's out, of course, to DVD box sets of Sex in the City and I don't know Smallville. <laughs> Farscape Quantum Leap To so giving up finding new content on Netflix And just having a comfort trawl through Star Trek The Next Generation Or Parks and Recreation I think that we can all agree There's a lot to be said for that You can't beat a good rewatch So with that in mind, join Hannah and Mike from Two versus vs. as we burn through some of our favourite franchises and share our immediate reactions to each instalment in both spoiler and non-spoiler sections. To do that, do a search for the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever your favourite podcast provider may be or go directly to anchor.fm forward slash rewatchproject. We are proud members of the Pod Syndicate family of podcasts. Sounds like Lisa and Scott are trapped in the icy cave of that frosty-faced felon, Captain Cold. This is a job for Superman. My fast-freeze zapper will freeze Superman forever. No way, Captain.
2: Dear kids, my new Superman hot cocoa mix is the super-tasting way to warm up. Mmm,
0: it's really sweet. And chocolatey.
1: And see, Captain Cold can't take this warm reception. New Superman hot cocoa, the super-tasting way to warm up. The super friends are fortified and enriched and tasty
3: too. Okay, let's talk about the flashback scene where Darkseid originally came to attack Earth. That in the theatrical cut was not Darkseid, right?
2: Crap, I'm trying to remember now and I don't I don't even remember. Wasn't
3: it a fl- I remember there was a flashback with Steppenwolf, I believe, and he's defeated.
2: Yeah, it was Steppenwolf in the flashback. It wasn't Darkseid at all.
3: And there was a Green Lantern there in the theatrical cut too, wasn't mm-hmm. there? And that part was cool. I don't remember the gods being there though.
2: One of them was, but uh, but David Thulis who played Ares in the first Wonder Woman movie, he's actually in this. I don't remember him in the the Whedon cut.
3: Okay, but I thought that was pretty badass how they had he had like super powered arms and stuff.
2: Yeah, the the it was the old gods like Zeus and Ares were were on this battlefield. It was crazy.
3: Yeah, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> you know, <it laughs> works for me. And by the way, they were kicking Darkseid's ass when they drag his ass out of there. Oh yeah. Uh so he handily got himself his ass kicked and they left the mother boxes behind. Now, this is the part I didn't understand was did Darkseid not remember where the mother boxes were and they'd been searching them for them for years or did they know they were somewhere on in this galaxy but they just needed them to come to life and ask oh, you call for help or something
2: I yeah beca- like you said earlier in this episode because there was a protector there because Superman was there the boxes were probably couldn't feel like they could take the risk to actually try to reacquire them,
3: right? But now, so-
2: but I also feel that in all this time, Darkseid not only needs to recuperate from his lo- from his injuries, but he's also uh, subjugating all the other planets in the universe and working his way towards Earth and building up an army and resources in the meantime.
3: I did like when they said that they kind of made mention that other planets, the fact that he's defeated other planets, and they no doubt had superpower beings on them too. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool assumption, you know, that every planet has powered beings. Yeah,
2: and I'm trying to wonder maybe, and I've only seen it once. I need to go back and revisit it. Uh, What it is that Steppenwolf did to lose favor with Darkseid? Because he's talking to Desaad. And DeSad tells him you still owe Darkseid fifty thousand more planets.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's working off some debt there, isn't he? Uh,
2: I know, man. This this kind of sucks. But uh but yeah, I am I'm, I'm wondering what happened. I, it it's really not important. All, all you need to know is that Steppenwolf is is trying to redeem himself. But it it, it it kind of feels different than it does in the weeding cut because Steppenwolf makes one mention of Dark Side, but but kind of feels like this is his own personal goal of his own. And it has nothing to do in in being in servitude to dark side.
3: Yeah. I do like that. He keeps calling that guy and he goes, well, have you retrieved the boxes yet? And he's like, no, not yet. I mean, I'm working on it. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is that he is a better villain in this film. In the Snyder cut, yeah, it,
2: the look of him is also way different. The, his face—they gave him a more human face in the Whedon cut, and I, I felt like the design they went, they had in this version, just looks so much better.
0: It's been really fun to put the original Steppenwolf back in the movie. You know, he's quite realized character. You know, he has struggles, he has history. We understand his relationship to Darkseid and to Saad, and you get it why he's doing what he's doing
3: yeah like he almost like i kind of described it as like a living chain mail that keeps like adjusting and stuff yeah
0: yeah i
2: love that
3: and i thought it was cool how the amazons were just filling him with arrows you know like <laughs> he had arrows he's a all over
2: cushion. Him.
3: yeah he's a pincushion and uh he pretty much decimated them and uh yeah that whole
2: that whole Themyscira sequence, where they're they're trying to get the mother box away from in the shrine, and the Amazons put up quite a fight. I mean, even though even though they're not successful in uh, saving the mother box from it, but it's still such a thrilling, memorable sequence, all the same.
3: Yeah, it's much better. Okay, I'm trying to remember this in this version. In the Wonder Woman introduction scene, these guys are just going to blow up people for the hell of it. They're going mm-hmm. to kill them. That scene was very well done. Yes. But in the theatrical cut, was that cut down a lot?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think some of the I mean the gunshots. I mean, this is an R-rated movie, so it, it just feels like the people getting shot all the time. I, the I think scene, that was more toned down in Whedon's cut.
3: The thing that I like about that scene is it's so violent. For those men, they don't give a shit about anyone there or the children that are there. They just want to kill everyone. The fact that Wonder Woman shows up, she defeats these guys, she gets rid of them, takes care of them, comes back, and is like, okay, everybody, everybody, okay? Okay, everybody stand up, let's all go, everything's fine. And the little girl's like, can I be like you when I grow up? And she's like, you can be anything you want. It doesn't change her and who she is at all. The fact that she has to take care of all these bad guys. Yeah. She's still like who she is. Was the scene with the little girl, was that in the theatrical cut?
2: No, it wasn't
3: because I liked that a lot. Yeah. I felt a little twinge in my heartstrings when the little girl said that. <laughs>
2: yeah and and i also love that little moment when she's taking them all down that it kind of transitions from how she's moving in slow motion versus how she's moving in real time where she's zip zagging between them knocking them across the wall yeah i love that
3: i will say this i'm i'm getting tired of the Uh, they play it a lot in this movie do they not
2: When it's necessary, I would I would argue.
3: But what I was making fun of was the, uh, it wasn't that music. It was the, <laughs> like, whenever they show anything Amazon, they're like, okay, cue up the lady. Cue up the lady. I just thought that was funny.
2: Yeah, uh, speaking of which, uh, you remember when uh, Bruce Wayne and, and uh, Aquaman first meet, and then he does the thing where he's you know just rowing before he goes back into the ocean and, and takes off, having yeah. rejected Bruce's offer. And the, these three ladies start singing this, what sounds like a funeral dirge or something, for no particular reason. And I was wondering... I I, I don't hate it. I don't wish it was cut. I was just wondering what the point was.
3: I was thinking this. For years, he has shown up and given them food. He's kind of like their savior. So they kind of herald him as like this, you know, a god that he is. And they all basically kind of worship and thank him. So when he comes, they're blessed by his presence and he brings them food and then, or fish. <laughs> and then he leaves again. And there he goes. And I also like this. The fact that that scene is so subtle, I totally expect him to go <laughs> like in the water and like explode <laughs> away. But instead, you don't see him go and all you see is a ripple of water left. I yeah. thought that was really well done.
2: Yeah, Bruce Wayne gets distracted for a little bit, then he turns around and, wow, he's not even there.
3: Yeah, because when you expect it to be like right through the water and go, holy shit, man, he's fast. But instead, no, he's just gone. And, you know, the later on they have the moment that's – I will say this. Okay, I want to say this real quick because I was really turned off by this, but I've come around – Because Mm -hmm. this film, when you watch it on HBO Max, it's in full screen, for lack of a better term. It has black bars on the left and right side of the screen. But when I realized this, when Zack Snyder filmed this for the giant version of IMAX, the giant square screen you get at a major IMAX theater, right? Right. Everything you're seeing in that square is what he shot. Nothing is being covered up by black bars it's all there so the fact that that is all him and what he wanted you to see okay i'm like okay i think i understand where you're coming from zack snyder my main uh gripe with it is like in this day and age we should have a choice to watch it how we want to watch it which is to fill up our entire screen you know film it in widescreen all movies are shot in widescreen There should be a version of this in widescreen. Maybe there will eventually. I don't know. But maybe not. Because uh, if Warner Brothers didn't gripe about that, because they gave him final cut, right? They said, you can do whatever you want. This is yours. And he's like, I'm putting this out in uh, full screen. Then we will never get this in uh, widescreen, will we?
2: Uh, Man, who can say?
3: Did it bother you for very long or did it bother you at all?
2: It it really didn't bother me at all. I mean, of course, I'm I'm a little I was a little taken aback at first. You don't expect to see a recent release looking like this. I mean, it's, unless it's a movie that's directed by someone like Kelly Reichardt. A lot of her movies have that aspect ratio, the four three IMAX ratio, for lack of a better term. Uh, but I've watched plenty of like silent movies on my TV so i'm i'm kind of used to it in that respect but no it, n- none of it really bothered me i i just can't help but wish if if it's the summer say like 3 or 4 months from now if it's the summer and i've been fully vaccinated and i can actually feel comfortable going to a theater and warner bros decides to put this in theaters i will go and see it i will pray and hope that they put an intermission in it <laughs> but i will so go bad. i will go and see this
3: yeah, I would definitely, you know what was funny is I kind of had a game with myself when I started. I was like, let's see how long before I have to pee. <laughs> Cuz if I was in a theater and I started watching this and I'm not kidding, it was probably like 25 minutes in, I was like, ah, oh, this isn't fair. I have to pee already. But, you know, I just had lunch. Come on, it's not fair. <laughs> you know, but I totally would have gotten up so many times during this Me too. theatrically.
2: Um Me too. Yeah.
3: I, if they ever, they will show this in a theater, you know, what's going to happen eventually. Yeah. They do need to break it up into, uh, at least two intermissions. Come on. And they have the perfect, you know, part ones, part two and all that. Those are great moments for it.
2: Yeah. They, they, they should totally do it and make it like a big event. And, Please let them please show it at the IMAX theater where I live because that's the only uh, yes. <laughs> the only option. Is it but, one of those
3: giant uh, square uh, IMAXs?
2: It is because that it is
3: would be very interesting to see it like that, like Zack Snyder intended.
2: Yeah, and I—I w- I mean, I've seen some movies up there. I was able to see like the Last Jedi there. I was able to see 2001, A Space Odyssey. That has an intermission. I—I I would figure, I would hope that they would be uh, considerate enough to allow some people to relieve themselves in the course <laughs> of viewing this
3: with free catheter. Another thing is, like, <laughs> oh God, when I watch this uh, film. Part of me wonders, you know, I think when I first saw this in the theater, if this was the movie I would have seen, obviously it wouldn't have been four hours long. If it was just more coherent without them trying to fix it by adding all these scenes with Joss Whedon, if they would have just kept it Zack Snyder and hired a a great editor to, okay, we just need you to cut this down, what we've got into a coherent movie. Wouldn't that have been better? Than Joss Whedon trying to fix it with new scenes,
2: yeah, and and I can understand the from the viewpoint of a studio that says, "Look, this is one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive, movie production ever." I mean, Justice League alone has probably has way over three hundred million dollar shooting budget at this point. I I understand you you invest a whole lot of money, you kind of expect a return on it, but this is uh, like half-assed quality control thing and them trying to be something that they're not these dc movies are just simply not the marvel movies you just need to accept that and let it be its own thing but yeah i i, I really wish they they were more supportive of snyder let him make some like i said before let him make like a three-hour cut put out the longer version on a home video his movies usually kill on home video and and you would have avoided all this all this crap.
3: Can we be thankful that the scene where Aquaman is sitting on the magic lasso is no longer in the film?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing where he uh, he kind of has a little heart to heart moment with everyone. That's another weed and bullshit line.
3: Yeah, and also that, the uh, uh, when he sees Batman in the bat suit for the first time, doesn't he say like "far out, man" or something like that in the? In the theatrical version,
2: yeah, he just says as a bat. I dig it.
3: Yeah, dig it.
2: Humor shoehorned in to try to bring some levity to it, although there's there's plenty of levity to it already. It, it just you just can't avoid the fact that the Snyder cut is far more sincere, far more empathetic, and doesn't need to try so hard to win its audience over. It it has the courage of its own conviction, and that's one of the things that uh, I respond heavily too
3: i think it's superior in every way to the theatrical version because like i said when you see the theatrical version you're just like man this thing was a mess yeah and those epic flashbacks to when they first defeated darkseid i thought it was so cool that it said the atlanteans (laughs) fought with the amazons and then there was the gods were there too and you're like wait what and then there's like a green lantern there you're like Dude, what the? Hell? By the way, the Green Lantern went out like a punk, didn't he? He just gets his hand chopped off and then he yeah,
2: and loses the ring. Yeah,
3: it's like, dude, he sucked as Green Lantern.
2: <laughs> it, and I guess uh, I, I'm surprised we didn't see like I, I remember someone was like putting out some like fake little spoiler like, hey, Ryan Reynolds is Hal Jordan makes an appearance in this one, <laughs> but reportedly the Green Lantern core of the current time in this movie doesn't show up until the second movie, uh, which will probably never happen. But I mean, look, if this is the end for this particular storyline, I'm not, I mean, I kind of wish that, you know, Snyder could continue its tale, but he probably won't be able to, but this is the last note, man, what a, what a note to go out on.
3: Let me just say this. I think that they got the cat. The cast is really good. Mm -hmm. I think that Ben Affleck is great as Batman. Yeah. I think that uh, Gal is fantastic as Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Superman, perfect. Ezra Miller's fine as The Flash. But I I really think, what is his name again? Ray?
2: Ray Fisher, yeah.
3: Ray Fisher, he deserves to play Cyborg more if they're going to make any more with him in there.
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to say that Cy- Cyborg was supposed to be part of the Flash solo movie that they're working on, and then he got cut from it. I really hope that this reverses that decision.
3: Right, me too. And I will say this. Jesse Eisenberg is Luthor. Hate him. I just hate
2: him. <laughs> you just, you're not You're not in for it. Uh, I've, I've come around. I, I came around to it. I, I never really had a problem with him. I know a lot of people just thought, well, look, he's just channeling his Mark Zuckerberg uh <laughs> portrayal but considering how we now know that Mark Zuckerberg is a total piece of shit yeah uh that Lex Luthor could be reimagined as this as as a Mark Zuckerberg type kind of makes a lot more sense
3: another thing that bothers me about Jesse Eisenberg and this is not his fault unless this is makeup i don't know if he was born this way or this is makeup the top of his ears are sticking to his head. There's no separation from his ears to his head. Have you noticed that?
2: I haven't noticed that. I'll have to watch it again.
3: It's disturbing, man. <laughs> I do think it's cool that Joe Manganiello got to be in the movie. Cause yeah, there's that little tease in the theatrical where you're like, dude, what death stroke? And then it's over and you never know what would have happened. The fact that we, he has lines of dialogue is really cool.
2: Yeah the the fact that you kind of forget oh no Lex Luthor knows who Bruce who Batman is he also knows about Superman too and he's on the loose and it just it just gives you this all oh, crap now it sets up a movie that we may never see but uh you know you just you just kind of roll with it
3: Yeah that is true and but yeah I don't want any more of him anyway recast him I do think oh, it's man. funny when people uh, when people wanted Lex Luthor, they're like, "Wait, actor with head shaved, Brian Cranston? He would have been perfect." You know, people yeah. aren't that imaginative when it comes to casting, are they?
2: And they and yeah, and they don't know what a casting director does. This yeah, the the, the armchair film filmmakers put in their two cents. You know who would have been um, a good
3: good Lex Luthor? Telly who? Savalas. Kojak. That's right. He's bald. Yul Brenner.
2: Yul Brenner. Sigourney Weaver from Aliens 3.
3: <laughs> yes, perfect!
2: Um, let me ask you this. What did you think of uh, Leto's appearance as the Joker?
3: He still can't laugh worth a damn. Was interesting. He never does a ha ha ha. He does like a ah, ah, ah. I won't miss Leto Joker at all. Yeah. Go away.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've only seen sections of Suicide Squad, so uh, I think that movie's I, a whole other, a whole other mess. And Leto is trying too hard. It's it's a it's a it's an original take on it. I'll give him that, I but it's, like it that still feels looked, like he's trying so hard.
3: I like that he looked nothing like his Suicide Squad Joker, though. He didn't right. have the damaged tattooed on his head or anything like that. Yeah. I do wonder why he needs to be there, though. If, if anything, that would make me like, I gotta see the next movie because I need to know why they need this asshole there. Because they've determined Batman is willing to kill. Why hasn't he killed him yet?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, I, I guess maybe we'll find out what Snyder had in mind rather than actual seeing a actual film of it. But, I mean, look, you, you take what you can get.
3: Yeah, I just – the idea of an evil Superman or he's being mind-controlled, part of me doesn't want to see that because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know it would really suck. But I know that the comic books have dealt with that too. And hell, they they saw how badly they would – they're outmatched in this movie when he uh, kind of first wakes up that they would get their asses kicked.
2: Yeah, and I I still loved uh, that moment in this uh Uh, fortunately made the weeding cut the moment where he's restraining Cyborg, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman Flash tries to flank him and Superman can see him coming I still love that moment but uh, there is a tweet I need to show you and I don't know if you've seen it on your own timeline where someone had compiled the two takes of Gal Gadot saying Kal-El between the Weedon version and the Snyder version and they're wildly different
3: Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah. And I also liked how uh, the Snyder cut basically handled s- Batman and Superman. Basically, uh, Superman coming after Batman, I should say when he gets resurrected plays differently where he doesn't pick up Batman by his by his neck, takes him up into the air and gives him the line from BVS, you know, can you bleed? And yes. uh
3: I like. Yeah, the- I loved the uh, the power absorbing gauntlets. You know, they set mm-hmm. that up where, like, oh, these will there will be a reason that he has these later. And the fact that Batman isn't he's not there to fight him because there's no point in even raising a fist to Superman. You know, he's just right. going to stand there and try to like, hey, we need you, Clark.
2: Uh, yeah, and Su- and Superman in this version, he's not up for talking with him. He just, all he remembers of this guy is that he tried to kill him last time he was alive. Yeah. He just sees
3: a threat. I did. What did you think of uh, at the ending? Steppenwolf has his axe, he's about to hit it down right on Cyborg, and Superman appears, and he just goes, not impressed. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of reminded me of Mediocre <laughs> <You> know, from <laughs> Mad Max. But Superman's like yeah. not impressed. And then he goes and then the destroys his magic axe, whatever the hell that thing was. What did you think of yeah. the whole black Superman, the outfit?
2: I like that outfit. And I can I can remember the whole Death of Superman storyline back in the early nineties when that was when killing him off with Darkseid was big, and Wasn't I don't remember all of the storylines, but I thought it was a really cool looking co- uh, costume
3: yeah, that's what I was saying. Wasn't that outfit basically a tribute to that comic?
2: Yeah, basically, but I think I, I can't I want to say that that particular outfit helped him helped him basically regain his powers or basically helped him with his ability to absorb radiation from the sun. Uh, and that's the reason he wears it. But I mean, there is also just this kind of uh Phoenix rising from the ashes, rebirth vibe about yeah. the whole suit that, that I respond solar to.
3: Outfits. And I do like this. The whole third act when Superman arrives is just them pounding the shit out of Steppenwolf. They're just yeah. beating the shit out of him. When, I like how they're kind of tossing him back and forth amongst them, each other. Like, Boom! Superman hits him. Uh, Aquaman's there with his trident. Boom! There's Wonder Woman. She's got her sword. Plume. You know, just like boom, 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 back and forth. And he's just like, oh, <laughs> he can't do anything. <laughs> they're kicking my ass. And I do love the final beheading by Wonder Woman. I thought that was
2: great. Yes, and the head slides through the portal. And Darkseid, first thing he does, man, just step Stop. on it like it's an
3: egg. <laughs> He's like, nope, that was my nephew. Have you <laughs> seen, I think it's so funny that do you see like a woman character standing there like a CGI woman.
2: Uh, I forget who that is. Is that supposed to be Granny Goodness or I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about the apocalypse and his minions to correctly identify everyone.
3: Have you sent me the link yet?
2: Oh, of the Gal Gadot thing? This this makes for great audio content, by the way. (laughs) I'm sending it to you now. This this is wild.
3: So let's see. Comparing the two cuts of Justice League. No, Kalal, no.
0: Kalal, no. 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 Kalal, no.
3: I I don't understand. (laughs) Ha ha ha. I can't discern between either one of them.
2: It, it just seems like the, the first the first version is the weeding cut, and she just seems to be screaming heavily, like, like like she's raising her own voice. But her delivery in the second second version is far more subtle, and she's it's a more calm version of the character.
3: I do like when he shows up at the end. She just says, "Kell," you know, like he's here. (laughs) Yeah. I like when he shows up to Alfred and he goes, uh, master Bruce told me you'd come. Let's pray. You're not too late because you're taking your sweet ass time. Superman, Jesus. (laughs) He's like, well, you know, I had to, you know, get my head together. First visit my mom.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, look, Jason. I mean, the, the movie gave plenty of time to all these other characters. Let Superman give his time too. Yeah,
3: I did like uh, <laughs> the line that is funny, that gets a laugh every time. It's Zack Snyder's line, not Joss Whedon's, and that is, "What's your superpower?" And he says, "I'm rich." <laughs> That's a funny line, right?
2: It is. It is.
3: And that was an act, uh Zach Snyder line.
2: I also love that moment uh, when the, the, they first meet Steppenwolf, the four or five, the five of them together, and Cyborg says the Batman and he says, "I thought you weren't real," and Batman says, "I'm real when it's when it's useful." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I some people uh, have dismissed uh, the efforts of Chris Terrio as a screenwriter. Uh, especially in the wake of what happened on Rise of Skywalker, but uh, his his script on this movie is so much better uh, than you you think it would be.
3: I, I mean, it's easy to say, "Wow, this movie's long," because it is. But I feel like I watched a coherent story.
2: There, there's really not much in the way of filler. Uh, in this movie, and even in the 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 moments where it can be interpreted as filler, like Aquaman walking out uh, back into the ocean in slow motion, downing a, a half full bottle of whiskey as he does it. Even I actually just love that the movie just kind of takes a breather and uh, j- just lets a character exist in his own own environment, and and added to that. The fact that this movie isn't in a hurry to rush you from, you know, action scene or event one after the other, that would be so numbing. It actually knows when to slow down and when to catch a yeah. breath.
3: And that's a beautifully shot scene, too, when the water's yeah. splashing and everything. If anything, I would say maybe there's a couple of times where the music might have pulled me out of the movie a little. The song <laughs> choice during the flash scene, you know? Uh, yeah. I... I they're trying to say something about his character. The The Flash is kind of a nerdy guy, and uh, this is his power. This is his ability or whatever. I can understand what they're doing, but sometimes the music pulled me out a little bit. Right. That whole scene with the Flash trying to get a job at a pet store or whatever, it was very <laughs> silly. It was nice to see Billy Crudup. up. And he gave his character kind of like this, like he's gone, he's kind of gone nuts a little being in prison for killing his wife and he didn't do it. So, uh, he, you know, he had just a little bit of screen time, but he gave himself a little bit of characterization there, you know, he's far
2: more accepted the fact that he's not getting out of prison and, and yes, the justice system failed him, but He also doesn't want his son to be forever tethered to him, and he wants him to to have a life of his own. And it's it's a far more compelling scene than it was in the weeding cut. Also, in the weeding cut, you had this ridiculous moment where uh, Barry is waiting in line, and a big old tough guy behind him is giving him some gruff, and he turns around and just real quick like draw some crap on his face yeah and then signs and then signs it in and then then the other guy walks up and looks at his face and uh ezra miller the flash had drawn like a pair of glasses on <laughs> the cop at the desk said i mean are those prescription or something it, it, it's such a stupid stupid moment <laughs>
3: yeah i do like at the end when he's visiting his dad and his dad's happy that he's got a job on the, the crime mm-hmm. lab or whatever and he says that. Uh, dad, don't get maced again, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're going to get maced again or something like that. Cause his dad's getting a little too excited. I love it. Look when he's saving the, uh,
2: what's her name? Iris from the car crash mm-hmm. and all the hot dogs are flowing through the air and he grabs one, puts <laughs> yeah. it in his coat. I was wondering why he was doing that. And then yeah. when everything's all said and done, he's back in the, uh, that pet store feeding the hot dog to the dogs and, I thought that was a great little, you got a great setup and you got a release for the game. Yeah, you
3: realize he's thinking ahead like, oh, hot dog, I could use this with the dogs or something like that. (laughs) I was pleasantly surprised by the Snyder Cut. It's a unique thing. I don't know if anything like this will happen again with a film. Maybe it will.
2: Probably Uh, not.
3: I think it's really cool that we kind of see how studios get it way wrong at times. And there was uh-huh. a chance for us to see the director's original vision, you know, say what you will about Zack Snyder, you know, people, I know some people can't stand him or whatever, but I very much enjoyed to see what he intended to do and to see it done. And I found it entertaining, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I I, I loved it. I love that we were able to see this cut that actually provides closure to this story thread, uh, linking it to Man of Steel and Batman v. Superman. And uh, I I feel like I can kind of, you know, kind of put this to bed and move on to like whatever, whatever obsession I'm now uh, following after this. But it's just it's just such a sigh of relief to know that this could actually happen. And it turns out to be as good as it is when a lot of people were gearing themselves for four hours of just unfocused and rambling and just doubling down on all the bad things that they didn't like about the previous films. And sure, there's going to be some people that won't like this. Uh, I, I, I had one person on my timeline who said, I'm 20 minutes in and this thing, this movie is all over the place. And I didn't have the heart to tell them, "Okay, well, you should stop watching the movie because it's like this all the way through,
3: <laughs> yeah, and it didn't. But feel all over the place, it felt like they were checking in with each character. You know,
2: yeah, and 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 look, like I said, some, and I've said this many times on the podcast before. Some people just don't know what they want until they've seen it. Then it becomes all that they want. So when you see a movie that zigs when you expect it to zag, it's going to rub you the wrong way. But this is a far more disciplined and focused effort despite its running length and it actually has something valuable to say about these characters. I mean, how else are you going to deal with the story about people who are the closest thing that we have to gods than to give them this shared experience of being alienated from the very world and the people that you're supposed to protect and they come together not because of a threat of a force that can destroy everything that they know and love but because they they but because they recognize in themselves all the problems that they're dealing with when wonder woman meets up with cyborg she tries to get him to join them not by trying to pitch the threat that they're facing but because she recognizes in him the things that are special about him things that he considers to be flaws or a curse
3: right yeah, that scene totally doesn't work in the theatrical version. No. It's like Wonder Woman shows up, and it's just kind of weird.
2: Yeah, and, and Cyborg basically just sells her, look for the world.
3: <laughs> yeah. And can you can you imagine this? All this time, Zack Snyder, I don't know if he even cares. He probably doesn't. But someone watched the theatrical version of Justice League and was like, oh, man, Zack Snyder sucks. Wow, this movie sucks, man. Way to go, Zach. Great movie. And him just like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. Well, that's not my movie. You're watching, asshole! You know, it's just like, (laughs) just kind of hold it in. Uh, I will say this. My one regret that this will never happen, because I got to see a brief bit of it in Batman v Superman and a little bit here. Whenever we get to see a little bit of Batman's world, whether it be Alfred commissioner gordon or gotham i feel so strongly in my heart that we should have gotten a Zack snyder directed batman film in gotham with batman characters forget about the rest of the dc universe he would have been so great and in his element doing a batman movie wouldn't he
2: i think he would
3: Just that bit with him going to save Martha in BVS and the warehouse and just, oh man, we really missed out. We should have gotten a Zack Snyder Batman film. It would have been awesome.
2: Yeah. I do love how he portrays Batman here where he's in his mid forties. Most of the, most of the enemies that he's been dealing with are locked up and he's kind of feeling like he's at the end of his rope and this, this whole thing gives him purpose, even though it's, it uh, has a rocky start to it. I definitely think that Zack Snyder could really take on any solo film of these characters and basically knock it out of the park.
3: Yeah, and like you were saying, he probably won't do any of these movies again. He's moving on. Yeah,
2: I, I would I would really rather that he move on and do other things. Like I said, he, he's expressed interest in remaking Excalibur. I think that would kick so much ass. Uh I'm I'm looking forward to Army of the Dead. He I, I wanna say that he he said a dream project of his would be to make the Fountainhead, the Ann Rand book, into oh, a movie, and no, I really no. don't want that to happen <laughs> please ever. Please
3: no, please no. <laughs>
2: but uh but yeah, I, I wanna see I don't I, I don't want him to be tethered to this one thing uh throughout the rest of his career because right. clearly his gifts for Shooting films the way that he does means that he can apply it to so many other things. He can make one hell of a horror film. He could do sci-fi or or action. I mean, it, you know, the sky's the limit with this guy. And all he just needs is some really good scripts and some really good concepts. And uh, I, I really hope that he can bounce back uh, from all of the baggage and the shit that he's had to put up with since he. Try to get this whole DCEU thing uh, off the off the uh,
3: the map or the
2: map. Sure, sure. (laughs) Once again, once again, I can't complete a sentence. I'm so rusty at this podcasting shit.
3: By the way, can he shoot Superman Ascending better than anybody? I mean, arguably that that billowy cape. Even at the end, when Martian Manhunter is landing there at Bruce Wayne's little villa gorgeous shot of him just slowly lowering like he's Christ, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Or when Superman finally ascends in his black suit and he does his little Christopher Reeve thing where he flies outside of earth's orbit and, uh, gets into visual contact with the sun. I mean, you've, you've got a Christ moment like there, but I mean, it's so beautifully
3: done. I think in that scene, I went, Jesus. (laughs) Wait, what is Geralt from The Witcher doing in this?
2: Oh man, the, uh,
3: that was from the point of view of someone who hasn't been paying attention. That was, but uh,
2: but speaking of Geralt, I mean that th- that's another thing why I think this is the last hoorah, where all these other actors uh, now mostly have other jobs and their careers have kind of kind of taken off. At least for some of them as well. I hope Ray Fisher has more of a career following this yeah Uh, but to get them all together to do two more movies like snyder originally planned i just don't think that that's in the cards i mean look how long it took for us to get a deadwood movie and we're (laughs) lucky we glad when we did because now david milch is dealing with alzheimer's
3: yeah that's so sad yeah.
2: So, uh, I, I just, like I said, you you take what you can get and, but we're so lucky and so fortunate to have this version out and it's as good as it can be.
3: Like, let's see, we're going to get another Wonder Woman. We're going to get a supposedly a flash movie. Apparently this is going to happen, right?
2: Right. And we're supposed to get another Aquaman movie,
3: another Aquaman. We're getting a Batman that does not take place in this universe. It's right. It's its own thing which is kind of funny.
2: <laughs> and we're getting a Suicide Squad movie pretty soon. Yeah. And not to mention we're getting another Shazam movie.
3: Yeah, that's right. We are going to get another Shazam and we're going to get a Black Adam movie with The Rock. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell's going on in the DC universe, you know. <laughs> I don't know if any of this stuff ties together or what. Doesn't matter, yeah. but it should be fun.
2: It doesn't. Uh, you know, let, let's move on with, with into the future.
3: Yeah, let's see what else is going on. But I will say this. It's been a while since I've done a podcast like this, but it's been a lot of fun talking to you about the Schneider cut. Did I say that right?
2: Well, you, you it sounds like you put a CH in there, but it's Schneider. It's not Schneider. It's not Schneider. Schneider. It's Schneider.
3: <laughs> Schneider, like on one day at a time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, but it was fun talking with you about this. And you know what's funny is I when I started it, I was like, am I going to be able to get into this? God, I just hope I'm not bored out of my mind cuz there's nothing worse than a 4-hour movie and I'm bored out of my mind. I was not bored out of my mind. I was entertained.
2: Yeah, I and I actually took a risk watching it. When I did, uh, it was it, it showed up 2 a.m. our time <laughs> was when it was available on HBO Max, and I actually stayed up. When I went to bed, it was 6:30 in the morning, That's and crazy. I was never as insane as that sounds. I was never bored. I, I, I didn't get restless. I was This movie had its hooks in me, and I don't think I could, a whole lot of movies of that length could do that.
3: So you were pretty excited, huh?
2: I was very excited. I was just needing I, – I needed to see what Snyder was going to do here. I needed closure on the storyline that Batman v. Superman left hanging because as much as I like those movies – I just needed closure on this story and I needed Snyder to tell it the way he wanted it to. And I feel like I can finally lay the storyline to peace, but yeah, I I just kind of felt like we, I needed to see this happen. So I'm, I'm very thoroughly satisfied with the end result. And I haven't felt that. And I haven't felt that way about a superhero movie since I came out of man of steel, where I just feel like, man, they just, they just kind of nailed it.
3: Okay, how do you feel about Come Together not being in the movie anymore? I
2: don't miss it at all. (laughs) (laughs) As wonky as as you can feel Snyder's soundtrack decisions are, (laughs) that felt like so on the nose and something that someone with little imagination would come up with.
3: Well, the movie's about Batman is trying to get the rest of the heroes to come together. What would be a good song for them to all come together to? I just can't think of anything. What would be a good song they could come together right now? Uh, anyone have any ideas? <laughs> um. Yeah, I got an idea. What about uh, Leonard Cohen song? No, that's been played out. We can't do that. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. <laughs> does Zack Snyder like Leonard Cohen?
2: He truly does, but I mean specifically, <laughs> "Hallelujah" means a lot to him, especially because uh, that was a favorite song of his
3: daughters. Right, because he it's. I remember it was used in the the first trailer for the Snyder cut and people are like, Oh, come on, Zach. Really? You use this in the watchman. What are you doing? And he explained that. And so at the end of this movie, there's like a, uh, very subtle. I don't know who sings it at all. I didn't look, but it's a very, you know, beautiful rendition of hallelujah at the end. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, he found a way to work it in." And then as I was thinking, I was like, "Oh yeah, this really means a lot to him." Okay, don't be a dick, Jason. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god. Man, uh it's been it's been a ple- it's always a pleasure to get together with you and uh it's a- always a pleasure to, you know, hear episodes of your podcast i know i'm pretty rusty and this is just something i'm just going to have to get back in the swing on but uh i've been wanting to to talk about this with you you know since we started it and since we were able to see this movie and it's always just a pleasure man and i'm i'm so glad that you continue to keep this podcast going in spite of all the real world problems i was so happy to to hear from uh you and bill record you know a three-part episode series that was it was so good to to hear from you two again and hopefully you and steven can get together again and uh hopefully we can keep etl going forward into the future
3: heck yeah thank you so much for uh, joining me it was awesome
2: it was sir it was very it was it's been very emotional it was a lot of fun to uh, to talk with you and be on the episode of your podcast again, man. Uh, just keep up the good work. Release an episode when you feel you can, and uh, you'll always have uh, you'll always have an audience with uh, people like me.
3: Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me on this awesome conversation of the Snyder Cut. Can't wait to talk about the Snyder Cut version of his zombie movie next. Thank you.
2: Thank you, sir.
3: All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
2: Check you later.
3: The balcony is closed. (laughs) What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. This is podcasting. Casting.